We definitely did not start dating or our relationship with Christ in the center of it. Gabe and I moved pretty quickly in our relationship. I moved in after, I would say, three months. Um, It was really, really quick. Our relationship took a turn. It took a turn for the worse. We were fighting all the time, uh, very unhappy. We were both seeking the world um, and everything it had to offer. About six months in, I found out that he was looking at porn, and I confronted him about it. And it was almost like no matter what he said, it wasn't going to be good enough because I had put all of my trust in him and not in the Lord. Essentially, my life was a mess. I was living for the flesh in every possible way. I wasn't a believer at the time, and uh, Whitney, Whitney was. I was really worried about if he was going to heaven or not, or um, if he had a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the longer that I lived with him, the more convicted I was about living with him and about his salvation. So I asked him if he would want to attend Watermark. I really had no idea what church was like. Um, it, w- it was just a building full of love. That's the best way that I could describe it. And I'd never felt anything like that ever in my life. I remember it was September two and a half years ago, hearing the worship music played a completely different, it was playing in my heart, not in my head. So we sat there with uh, tears rolling down my eyes. The entire worship center had cleared out. I didn't want to go anywhere. There was nowhere else that I could be. Just like that, a member of the church just walks up. He asked if I had a relationship with Christ. I said I didn't, but I want one. My life at that point was changing radically day by day. I remember seeing you cry, and it was really hard for me to see, but I was so happy. Um, And that day I recommitted my life to Christ. I needed that. I, I was so broken. He was willing to put God first before me. And it really taught me that that's what I should have been doing in my own life. Um, and not resting on Gabe, but resting in Christ and what he's done for me. The next step for us was to uh, focus on a relationship. I just proposed to Whitney on Valentine's Day 2012. And I shared with my leader that I felt really convicted um, about living with Gabe. She was really encouraging, try out merch and see, see what they tell you. And why don't you, you know, take the premarital class, let them know you're living together, be open about it. We walk into Merge, and it was full of love, encouragement, and just positivity. They came to us, and they said, hey, we know that we're not supposed to be living together. You know, we see the scripture. We both want to do what God wants us to do, but Whitney was unable to make an income. You know, they really wanted to find a solution, but things kind of kept falling through. We knew that there was this option at the property that Gabe's brother managed. We knew, you know, roughly that what, what that would cost. I called Molly. I think we were driving separately. I called Molly on the phone and was just like, so what do you think? We both find out that they want to help me move out by paying my rent, um, which Gabe and I were very taken aback by. We totally trusted Gabe and Whitney's heart. That kind of drives home the whole point of of believers um, supporting each other, looking after each other. God definitely humbled me. I would say that's the most humbled that I've ever been. But ever since, we've been living apart. God didn't stop there. He redeemed our relationship. He let us date again. I was able to pick Whitney up at a place other than my house, be astonished at how beautiful she looked, have my breath taken away, have my butterflies in my stomach. It was just a a whole new picture for me. We started our lives completely over. We've been living together for three years. 
it's crazy to look back and see how much we were missing when we were not pure. Um, our relationship has grown immensely with the Lord and with each other just by being pure. I think it makes me look forward, and I'm sure you as well, to our wedding day even more. To see them work through what's come up so far in their dating relationship, it, it's, you know, one of those weddings you're going to sit at and know that they can do this. You know, they yep. can, they're going to get through whatever life throws at them. And I just can't wait to see the light that they are uh, and continue to be as, as a married couple. I'm really excited to marry Gabe. He is my best friend. I, I can't picture myself looking down the aisle and seeing anyone else. When he's an amazing person, an amazing friend. He is one of the only people that I can be myself with and act completely silly and goofy. She can make me laugh, she can make me smile, she can make me cry. Um, the best possible tears. The anticipation of waiting for the wedding day is, is killing me and I can't wait to see his face when I'm when those doors open, to zone in on him and just not think about what else is going on and only think about him and what the Lord is about to do with us. God chose her to be a tool to bring me to him. And I can't wait to pursue him together. I really have to marry Whitney. Um, it, it's driving me nuts. I have to marry her. You know, here's Mr. and Mrs. Gabriel Rodriguez. That is that's just the sound of that. And I just can't wait to like live with her and be with her and pursue God with her. It's going to be an amazing journey. I know this. So in February, yeah. <laughs> Who's cutting the onions in here? That's what I want to know. I've watched that video 400 times. It still gets me. So in February of, uh, of 2013, I got to marry Gabe and Whitney as part of our marriage conference. But what I want you to know about their story is that you have Gabe and Whitney's all over your church and all over your community. Their skin color may be different. I say he's my brother from another mother. Same hairline, same hairdresser. Your story is different in that uh, Whitney's got sexual abuse in her past and he's got pornography and health issues and they live together sexually active, all kinds of issues. The issues may be different. But these couples are all over your church and your community and they are living together. This is not the same culture that you and I got married in. It's a very different world. And so we need to be able, as the church, to communicate about cohabitation. And so very simply, if we define cohabitation, it's just living together before marriage. And it is so much more common than we realize. And so I don't, do not want to get bogged down in statistics. Statistics will tell us whatever we want them to say. And really, if the statistics came out and they said, the success rate for couples who live together uh, before marriage is 100% success, I would still say, I don't care because it's not God's best and it's sin. And so the statistics don't make, mean a lot to me. Okay, but a couple things about stats. If you look at over the years, the growth rate of the millions of couples who live together before they say I do, it has increased so much since 1960 to where we are today. It is common all around us. There's an increase in the number of children who are being born to couples who cohabitate before they get married. And you know what happens with couples who cohabitate, they typically don't get married. And so then you've got this broken relationship with a man and a woman and a child. And then they move on to the next set of relationships. And just like that graph that we saw or the chart that Ron showed, 
We see the same thing with cohabiting couples. It's serial cohabitation from one couple to the next to the next. And it's this increasing web of broken relationships. We're doing things the wrong way. In our pre-married class, the one we just finished, this couple comes up to their leader and they say, hey, I just want you to know we're trying really hard to get pregnant right now. They're living together. There's a wedding date on the calendar. And they said, well, you know, you're getting married in a couple weeks. Why do you want to get pregnant? She says, I would love to be pregnant at my wedding. This is not the culture you and I grew up in. It is a radically different world. And so the church has got to speak into this. I love what Scott Stanley does. I, I highly suggest check out slide versus decide, everything that Scott does. Couples are sliding into marriage. They're not deciding. They move in together to test drive the car. She's not a car. They move in to test drive it. And then once you sign a lease together and you co-sign a loan and you have a pet together and then you, uh, you have a child together, it becomes increasingly difficult to separate their lives. They merge their bank accounts and everything else. And so it is happening all around us. The reason why they move in together, you know why, but I'm going to go over a few of them. One, we just want the experience. We want to see if we're compatible. There's so many better ways to see if you're compatible, but they want to test drive it. They, uh, they have financial reasons. Okay, in all the years of doing this, I have offered hundreds of couples who live together to sit down with them their, with their budget. I'll find you a place to live. It's not a financial reason. It's just because they want to live together. There are couples that just enjoy spending time with one another, companionship. There's culture that's telling them to live together because everyone else is doing it. We want to move in because we're so in love. He's so, he's so dreamy. Okay, it's not love. It's as Scott Stanley says, it's a time-limited chemical high. And so they are moving in together. And let's just be honest. The reason they're moving in together is because they want sex that's available whenever they want it, however they want it. And so when I started here nine years ago, this was the issue that no one was talking about. And so couples were living together, but if you asked them if they were living together, they would say, nope, we're not. And then they might come back over to me and sheepishly raise their hand and say, hey, I just want you to know that we're, we're living together. Okay, fast forward a little bit. Clay and Amanda come across my radar. I love these guys. They are married now, uh, doing great. But they were the first couple that when we said, is anyone living together, shot their hand right up and wanted to know why everyone else wasn't doing it as well. And so we got to shepherd Clay and Amanda. They moved out, got married, now are leaders in our church and community. But that's when I noticed that things are starting to change. And so we track our numbers starting in 2008. We've been tracking what percentage of couples live together. Now, culture is like this. I mean, it's like 60 to 80%, maybe higher. We're still at like the 30, 35% range, but you can see the trajectory. I didn't draw that orange line. That's what my computer did. And so the rate is steadily increasing as more and more couples are moving in together. This is not just lost, unchurched people. These are churched couples who are moving in together. Come on, church. We have got to address this. And so what, what does God's word say? I'm going to just go through a few scriptures. John chapter 4 is the story of Jesus with the woman at the well. In verse 18, he says, you've been married five times. The man you live with right now is not your husband. He is not encouraging her on that. It's very clear. It's in a negative light. Genesis 2, 24, the pattern is a man shall leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and they become one flesh. The order is you leave, cleave, become one. You don't do it the other way around. Hebrews 13, 4 says, let's keep the marriage bed pure and undefiled. It's designed for marriage. 1 Timothy 3, let's live above reproach. Philippians 2, 14 and 15, we need to be pure and blameless. 
We need to flee from immorality. Ephesians 5.3, 1 Corinthians 6.18, not walk away from it or crawl away, flee from immorality. And then my favorite is just don't be stupid or don't be tempted. 1 Corinthians 10.12, take heed lest you fall. You know, yeah, we could live together. We're, you know, we're not sharing a bed or you know, we're going to be pure, but we're still going to baloney. It does not work. You share a shower, you share a bed, stuff happens when you share a bed together. It is not true. When they're living together, they're doing stuff they shouldn't be doing, and they're not living above reproach. And so I just want to know what you're doing as a church. Okay, how are you addressing couples who live together? Because we, we've got to be united on this. Okay, are they becoming members? Are you baptizing them? Are you marrying them? Do you address it, or do you just look the other way because they're going to get married anyway? Okay, we, are, we are not honoring God when we don't love cohabitating couples well. And so I want to give you a couple things, a handful of things that just what should your response be? What do you need to do as a church? And so a few things. One is that we need to figure out what we believe. And so I would love it if, if some of you, when you leave here, that you sit down with God's word, you do some research, you check out what Scott Stanley's doing, and you say, here is what we believe about cohabitation. So the other stuff is great. You just need God's word. So go to God's word, figure out what you believe, and address couples who are living together. We have got to educate them. There's a growing segment of our population that I believe are, are even Christians who don't know that living together before marriage is wrong. Their friends are telling them to move in. Their parents are telling them to move in. Everyone is. And so we need to educate. We need to teach them how to budget. We've got to shepherd the church. And then I want to encourage you to always preach the truth. Galatians 1.10 is a verse that wrecks me. Okay, fear of man, fear of God cannot coexist together. I know when I tell a room full of couples not to live together before marriage, I'm not going to be liked. I'm like the, the you guys don't know me. I sound like I'm yelling a lot. I'm very passionate. Okay, I'm like the biggest teddy bear in the world. Words hurt me. Okay, I've, been, I've been accused of things and um, some really mean words from people who are living together. Okay, I just want God's best for them. So we cannot choose anything other than truth. It never goes well when the church bends to culture. Okay, we've got to be firm on what God's word says. We need to not expect non-believers to act like believers. If a non-believer is living together and being sexually active, why would they not? And so we can't expect them like we would a believer to act. And so that becomes the opportunity for us to sit down with them, share the truth of the gospel with them, and then let's just tell them, here are the reasons why living together is, is wrong, but I'm much more concerned about where you will spend eternity, but let's also talk about the decisions you're making right now. Don't believe the lie that they're living together and not doing anything. Okay, while I'm at it, couples that spend the night together seven nights a week but get uh, separate water bills, they're still living together. Okay, and so maybe they're not living together, but they're spending multiple times a week together. So how are you addressing that? For the ladies, this is how I want you to encourage them and shepherd them. You are worth so much more. Do not let him treat you that way. He is using you, and he's not committed. He's not going to marry you. You are valued. You are God's daughter. And while you're at it, become a Genesis 2 completer. And so you are culpable as well, even as a lady. And so we've got to educate the women. And then guys, when I sit down with them, if someone's a, a follower of Jesus, I say, is this how Christ loved the church? By using people? 
by using a woman? Is that you being a God-honoring, sacrificial man? No. And so we've got to love the men by challenging them. We need to tell them that there are better ways to test drive the relationship. Go test drive a car. Go try out a restaurant. But when you're talking relationship, you don't test drive it. And so get in community, get Christians around you. Take a premarital class, take merge. Serve together. There are so many better ways to test drive the relationship. Cohabitation is performance-based. If you do this, then I'll marry you. Marriage is not performance-based. It is sacrificial. It is self-giving to the other person. They could not be more different from one another. I want you to cast a picture for what can be. The reason why I love Gabe and Whitney's story, and I've seen that video 400 times, I love the lines. He likes to pick her up for dates. He remembers what that feels like, the butterflies in his stomach when he sees her. And then the joy of them getting to spend their wedding night together and dad getting to give her away as she walks down the aisle. When you live together, it's just another night when you get married. And when dad gives her away at the wedding, he's not giving her away. He gave her away a long time ago when she started sleeping with him and moved in with him. And so cast a picture for what can be. I want to share with you one story that actually goes back to Gabe and Whitney. So Gabe and Whitney got married at our our marriage conference. We showed that video to all of our guests, and we had a couple pre-married couples there. And so after they saw this video, Natalie and Cullen come up to me. And she's bawling. She She can't get a word out. She's convicted. She's challenged. They live together, sexually active, the whole nine yards. She's a believer. He's not. And so they're like, we we need to move out. We need help. And so Kristen and I had them over for dinner. But here's the best part of the story. We cooked dinner, opened up our home, but we didn't say a thing. We invited over Joe and Taylor. And so Joe and Taylor in the picture with uh, holding a box, Joe and Taylor lived together before they got married. They were discipled. They were poured into. They moved out. They got married. And now they're leading in our marriage ministry. Joe and Taylor said every word that was communicated that night. They shared the gospel, Cullen, trust in Christ. They tell them why it's God's best for them to move out. They move out. They get married. The the wedding is a celebration. And now Natalie and Cullen are in a foundation group, and they are serving in our community in the Apartment Life Cares Team ministry. So they've gone from non-believer living together to trusting in Christ moving out, getting married, serving the community, and inviting people to become a part of what we're doing here at Waterworks. Come on. Like, this is the opportunity we have when couples are living together. And we cannot just look the other way. And so I just want to remind you as a church that this is an incredible opportunity for us. It's not going away. The numbers are not going down. We have opportunity to challenge the believer and to engage the non-believer. And I just want to tell you, when it comes to cohabitation, you don't either have to bend to culture or speak truth. You can speak truth and reach a culture because it's a different world than when you and I got married. Thank you.